0: You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damn Under the audible with the steamboats Ancient goblins and wallows
1: Come at the grand like making a sound The smell of death is on the And at night when the cold wind blows
0: No one cares, nobody knows
1: I don't want to be there. Hello everybody, my name is Zach. I'm Brandon. A.K.A. DJ Bad Zelda. (laughs) Sometimes. That is better. You're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from childhood. You know, those movies you're nostalgic about and we tell you whether or not they're good or bad.
0: This week we watched 1989's horror adaptation of Stephen King's Pet Cemetery, spelled with an S incorrectly because kids suck at spelling
1: that's true and sometimes dead is better but is it better than watching this movie we'll have to find out oh you see what i did there
0: i did see what you did there we've been waiting to do the dead is better this terrible main accent for a very long time i'm glad it's finally arrived
1: as uh some of our listeners probably know we recorded for a very long time up in Maine. And in fact, uh, we recorded in the same town where this movie was filmed.
0: Bangor, that's right,
1: Zach. Bangor, Maine. So this film obviously kind of touching our hearts and uh, the Maine accent touching our hearts for sure. Because uh, I got to say, Brandon, I know you, you grew up there and I lived there for two years. I can tell you, everybody sounds like this up there. Oh my God, dude. I've never heard a more realistic Maine accent
0: portrayed in film ever. And if you can't hear the sarcasm uh, you might understand as we go on because this it's a straight up offensive it's an offensive accent and I wonder how many people think this is how we sound
1: I mean probably just everybody who's never been to Maine uh, because I you know what even before I ever went to Maine I knew that nobody up there spoke like this
0: did you talk like this in your job interview to try to get a leg up on the competition
1: hello I'm Zach and I want your job I should have but what I did do was drink my Moxie for the first time. What a fucking mistake that was. Oh, Moxie's good, dude. All right, we don't need to get that. No, it's not. I mean, no, it's <laughs> not. No, 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 it's not. Sometimes dead is better, and that includes drinking Moxie. Uh, we do want to
0: apologize for the uh, lateness of this episode. It originally was going to come on our last week of our Halloween spooktacular there, and, and it just, it, we got pushed because some big life changes happened. I moved to California. Zach's still in New York, so trying to set up the schedule of how we're going to record this has been challenging. This is actually our second time recording this because of some technical difficulties, but we wanted to get it out there as soon as possible. We apologize. We're thankful for you, our listeners, it being November and Thanksgiving has passed. We missed that too, but we're on track to be back at it uh, week by week. So stay tuned, folks. But uh, all that shit out of the way, let's get into it. Pet Cemetery is directed by Mary Lambert, who also brought us a ton of Madonna music videos. She also did some Ramones music videos, which explains a bit of the music here. She did some television show episodes, uh, Pet Cemetery 2, um, a few movies you've probably never heard of, some direct to video films like Urban Legends, Bloody Mary, her most recent being Megapython vs. Gatoroid. What? Megapython vs. Gatoroid? God damn, that's a cool nickname. I wish, wish yeah. I could have that. And uh, some TV movies, actually. All right. DJ Gate including <laughs> Thank you. And some TV movies, including Halloween
1: Town 2, Calabar's Revenge. Oh, the best Halloween Town. <laughs> is that a stay tuned, Zach? Maybe next Halloween? No. No, it's obviously not. Sometimes, Brandon, that is better. <laughs> Take a shot every time we
0: use that fucking tired ass
1: on, yep. uh, oh, but, oh, it'll come a lot.
0: As far as I know, I think Pet Cemetery was this lady's uh, first feature film, if not right around there, maybe her second. But you know, it kind of tells this is this is a first time filmmaker tackling what is a. Uh, kind of a big-ass deal. Uh, This novel, Stephen King's novel, was one of the only books that ever truly scared himself out of his own, you know, catalog of titles, and for a long time decided that he didn't want to publish it uh, because it's a very personal story. We'll get into why later. But this was a huge goddamn hit back in the 1980s. So it cost under $12 million to make. It earned $57 million in the U.S., making it the eighth highest-grossing film of 1989 and one of the most successful horror movies of the 1980s. So some other horror titles in theaters that exact same year included all these franchise heavies uh, with sequels. So we had A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, Fright Night 2, and then some just kind of other forgettable smaller ones like 976 Evil and Shocker. The bottom line here is, is that this was the top grossing horror movie
1: and everyone was sick of fucking sequels. Yeah, so Nothing Good came out that year is kind of what you're laying
0: down. Whoa! Ooh, hey, I mean, come on now. We all know my love of slashers,
1: and yeah, uh, I know, you know you're such a huge fan of Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs>
0: best one in the series everyone agrees no Uh, in case you didn't know some toxic sludge turns him back into a kid at the end of that one zach if you hadn't seen it so maybe get up on that all right well uh let's never talk about that movie ever again that cemetery has a ooh a 6.6 on imdb devilish indeed and a 50 percent on rotten tomatoes a quick plot synopsis for those who do not know what it's about after tragedy strikes a grieving father discovers an ancient burial ground behind his home with a power to raise the dead. Burial ground behind his home. Not a pet cemetery. Why is this called pet cemetery?
1: I don't know. There is a pet. So actually, the pet cemetery is behind his house. Uh, Nothing is ever at any point buried inside the pet cemetery, I think. Uh, They spend hardly any time in the pet cemetery. I don't understand why this movie or the book is named Pet Cemetery Because it is a badass title. (laughs) Uh, Well, but
0: the film writes... Uh, were originally actually sold to George A. Romero in nineteen eighty four for ten grand, cause King had previously worked with him on Creepshow, um, and had declined several offers for a film adaptation. But once Romero had to pull out, uh, because he was busy with Monkey Shines, which no one remembers. You know, they hired Mary Lambert, and, and I think it's because she was friends with the Ramones, who was one of Stephen King's, like, favorite bands, and she approached them about recording a song for the film after he had I talked to her about the, the idea of them actually making this into a movie, and then after, you know, she's like, I can get them to do some songs. He's like, fuck it, you're hired. You get the job.
1: And, you know, uh, we've discussed this a little bit at length uh, the first time we tried recording this, but I've I've sat on it, and I've brewed about it. And uh, I find it very upsetting that uh, they went from Romero to this woman who had never done anything except for Madonna and Ramon music videos. That's a little... that's shitty. That sucks. <laughs> that's putting a
0: lot of faith into someone just who did not have the experience. And that's, I think, the big thing that, you know, kind of hinders this movie is the fact that it's such a, a powerful story, such a big, you know, kind of epic novel that when you give it to someone who just didn't have the experience, it shows. It shows. <laughs> it shows. Uh, but not to tip our hand, because this movie, let's get into a little bit about our own personal history, man. You You had said you didn't discover this till kind of recently, right, or later in life?
1: Yeah, I had seen a couple of clips, and uh, I think I saw uh, at least half of it once, maybe on TV a long time ago. Um, It never really sat with me. I was way more interested in it uh, when I moved to Maine, and I, I started to learn a little bit more about Stephen King. And then I actually took a Stephen King tour and stopped at a bunch of places uh that actually are in this film like the real cemetery mount hope cemetery uh that's in this film i've been to the very spot that they've shot those scenes and the grave that he that he digs up i i was definitely interested to learn a little bit more about this movie after that but in terms of affecting me as a childhood as usual uh did not really sit with me ever <laughs> well it, it, this was a movie that i had passed several times on tv
0: and uh, as a young child and I remember not seeing really any bit of it except for the exact same part which this gross gr- grotesque woman snaps backwards and stares at the camera she's clearly got some sort of weird prosthetic and it freaked me the fuck out as a kid I remember it was one of the first true haunting visual images that I remember having like a few nightmares about I had no context for what it was about in the movie and went years without seeing this and I- I'd say I think I didn't finally see this movie till it was released on You know, Blu-ray, like five or six or fucking ten years ago, whatever. Yeah,
1: even as a grown-ass adult, that's still a very unsettling part of this movie. I'd say the most unsettling, and
0: also offensive portrayal of
1: spinal meningitis. But
0: when I first saw it, it truly stuck with me, and yeah, I just went that whole time, finally picked it up on Blu-ray because I had become more of a Stephen King fan in in my adult years, I suppose. And it's a movie that I've revisited a couple times since then, around Halloween time, when I'm wanting something that I haven't seen, you know, 50, 100 times, And so recently I'd say it's become kind of part of that lineup. And I wanted to revisit it for this show because I think – a lot of people hold this movie very dear in their hearts because it's one of those first movies that kind of introduced them to the horror genre. We also have to put into perspective, you know, at this time, Stephen King film adaptations are a dime a dozen. We're in this kind of renaissance period where we're getting some of these remade, including this film. At the time of recording, the movie hasn't come out yet, but we have seen the trailer. Of course, 2017's It was a massive hit. The Dark Tower, not so much, but uh, he's even had some success on Netflix recently as Mm -hmm. well with 1922 and Gerald's Game. But back in the 1980s, we got to remember, for every, you know, Cujo and the Dead Zone and Christine, he had, yeah, fucking Children of the Corn and Silver Bullet and Maximum Overdrive and Creepshow 2 and Graveyard Shift, the list goes on and on of like these, you know, pretty bad adaptations of his work. This movie, however, he's pretty proud of. In fact, it was the first script that he ever wrote that was adapted from his screenplay. Uh, for, or from his novel, rather, and he is actually super fond of this movie, unlike, you know, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining and all these movies that he, you know, kind of has a picks a bone with. It's funny that he's he's super into this one.
1: <laughs> I've always been very up and down with his work, especially his books. Some of the books I, I enjoy. I really enjoy the Dark Tower books and It, um, a couple other ones I'm not crazy about, and uh, it's really kind of the same with his movies, too, and I, I'm surprised out of all of them he likes this one probably the most
0: what's weird is have you ever seen any of his stuff where if he goes out on his own to a to make a film script that's not based on any of his other stuff it goes fucking insane like the movie i remember sleep sleepwalkers i think which came out in the early 90s is crazy about cat people and shit you ever see that one no, I haven't. It's just insane that within like two or three years he can have a movie based off his own shit, like The Shawshank Redemption, and then a year, you know, before that or after that, he does Sleepwalkers and or Maximum Overdrive right around that time. It's just crazy to think the drastic drop off or the, the range of quality when you're looking at his works. He is just such a prolific writer, and uh, I'm glad we're finally actually tacking, tackling a Stephen King property. I think this is our first.
1: Yeah, I don't think we. I don't think we've done anything. We've talked a, a couple of times about him just kind of like offhandedly, but no, we've never done a Stephen King thing.
0: Well let's do it dude. Here we go. Pet Cemetery. We open up on uh the cemetery itself, of course spelled wrong because kids are tards. Kids are the worst. Pay your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> to do something contribute to society but i do like the way this is kind of set up it's this nice like haunting sounds and 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 these kids like reading these like rhymes that they've written on the 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 gravestones of all these pets it's a nice little makeshift cemetery and it's stuff like this is where my kitty lays no more he screams and hollers he lived for five and twenty days and cost me fifty dollars
1: but uh we do want to just preface this with uh the, the, this cemetery that you're seeing these beautiful shots of the creepy cemetery uh, they'll never come back into play in this entire movie ever again <laughs> Maybe kind of will i think
0: it's really just to set up the theme the theme
1: of like you
0: know lost childhood innocence and and understanding your mortality and that's i guess a big through line actually one of my favorite themes throughout the film is is judd's character kind of teaching the young children that it's okay to be sad and scared but we haven't gotten to judd yet we got to first introduce us to the fucking creed family there's lewis rachel and their children ellie and gage One of the whitest families I've ever seen portrayed in film. Uh, Sickly sweet Hallmark shit. Yeah, and we'll just get it out of the way. Ellie's the fucking worst. Like, oh my God. like (laughs) I'd say all of them but Gage. I'm not a fan of anyone on screen but Gage. Gage is the very young actor here. I I believe his name's Miko Hughes, who went on to do a few uh, movies, Mercury Rising and uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. He's a pretty damn good child actor for being like 30 months old or some shit. Who's not a good actor, though, is uh, this guy they got to play lewis creed dale midkiff now originally this was supposed to be bruce campbell 100 percent better movie better movie i i would kill to see bruce campbell in this movie but dale and uh who is it denise crosby who plays his wife rachel they have just a their chemistry isn't necessarily terrible it's just that they themselves as acting it's very stilted and and you could tell that there's so much direction put into everything and i think a lot of that has to do with just mary lambert's inexperience this feels like a very shoddily edited and shot film and i know they cut a lot of out, out of this movie like it was a good two hours and they got to get it down to an hour 40 or something so they cut at least 20 or 30 minutes out of this thing so i get it uh But it plays very negatively here especially in in its opening moments once i don't like these characters even first being introduced because we got the little shit ellie she's like you know arrives gives this like fake ass smile everyone's like oh it's perfect and she immediately eats shit falls off the tire swing and balls her eyes out
1: hilarious very (laughs) funny the best uh this this movie uh laughs a minute whenever the kids get hurt and uh the bad parents that they are they both turn around next to this busy highway that they live on and gauge almost walks out and Into the middle of traffic, where trucks apparently uh, go zooming by at 100 miles per hour in this residential neighborhood.
0: I lived on a U.S. route, like a highway, and yeah, there were trucks that went by, I'll say it all hours of the day. There were also other vehicles that traveled that road, and they were also not going 85 miles an hour. I don't understand... I don't understand the makeup of this town. I guess it's placed in Ludlow, Maine. It's shot in Bangor. Of course, that's because there's a stipulation that Stephen King's like, I'm not making this movie unless you bring some money to Bangor because guess what? We needs it. (laughs) But I am glad that they actually do have a main production of one of his movies because usually they're shot in just much cheaper locations. This is based off, though, a true story in which Stephen King, you know, fought to, I guess, catch his son before he wandered off into the middle of the road and did it at the last minute. And the whole movie and book rather is based off of the worst case scenario, a father's worst nightmare of what if he didn't get to him in time? And what if his son was killed by a Mack truck on this idyllic uh, road? Luckily, though, he is saved by our favorite character, the the film's best character by far. It's Judd Crandall, played by the incomparable Fred Gwynn.
1: Uh, Incomparable is a word that I wouldn't use. Sometimes dead is better. (laughs) He is my favorite character just because uh, he's almost cartoonish. He just stands out so much in this movie, and not for great reasons, but uh, for some reason I find it endearing. It is.
0: It's pretty awesome that he also just has this fucking ability to snatch up kids at the last second that truck that goes by they use all these like loud sounds of trucks passing by as jump cut I mean yeah, like jump scares like holy shit what's that loud ass noise but it's done in a way like the truck you can't hear coming it literally just appears out of fucking nowhere and says right next to him he scoops the kid up like oh you gotta watch your dumbass kid here he's got a dick magnet that's attracted to the
1: road your fucking kid's dick magnet almost brought him over to the road got hit by a truck why is this kid so obsessed with the road I was taught at the earliest age, you don't go near the fucking road. Not to spoil it, but if you haven't seen this movie yet and you're listening to this podcast, what are you doing? But when he goes into the road the second time, at least he has an excuse. This first time, he's just wandering. He's just a dumbass kid.
0: Yep, and we also get a little shot of uh, their cat, this gray, smoky church uh, after Winston Churchill. Clever, clever. Also, what ca- what little girl is obsessed with Winston Churchill? He- I think he claims that the girl named her the cat Church. Why? <laughs>
1: You know what? I don't know. I'm not going to try and fucking understand. She's
0: a big Winston Churchill fan because this kid is precocious AF. I'm not a fan of precocious children. My kids in movies, I want them to act just like children. Okay? This little girl is going off about all kinds of weird premonition bullshit and nonsense and I just want her to be a little
1: kid. This is another thing that bothers me about a lot of Stephen King. He can't have a story that doesn't feature a kid with like superpowers in it. It's like every fucking thing he does, everybody's got to have Superpower! This kid can see into the fucking future, apparently.
0: Yeah. Uh, did you ever see Dreamcatcher? Remember that one? Yeah. I uh,
1: I try not to remember it, but yes.
0: Well, that's the one where Donnie Wahlberg has special powers, and by the end of it, he turns into an alien. Mm-hmm. It's pretty sweet.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> but
0: Judd, he's just a goddamn good old boy. Like I want him as a grandfather. I want him in my life. Again, the entire film. The entire film is his fault. Everything following this is is 100% lays at his he's to blame for all of the carnage in this film. Oh yeah. But uh God damn it, do I love the bastard. And yeah, his his accent is quite offensive. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, look, there are people, there are people in this state who sounds like that. All right, it's it's impossible to avoid. It's just a thick thick new england accent but i will say it they're few and far between and you know maybe there are characters out there like judd crandall who are living on these desperate highways but it's every single syllable is drawn out to cringeworthy effect
1: right yeah
0: <laughs> but that night judd invites uh his buddy over uh what's this lewis oh, i'm gonna forget the creed family again the creed family lewis and judd share a beer that night and is this where they plant the seed? Because I guess Ellie had, had spotted this road or this path that leads out there, and he kind of addresses what it where it goes to, this pet cemetery. It's a place where all the little children throughout the town who have lost little animals on this highway go to bury their dead. And he says, you know what, I'll take you out there sometime, and it's a good walk. But for another time, right? He's he's super vague about everything too. We'll get that out there.
1: Yeah, he does a really good job at just like kind of getting people into situations and then just not explaining it later. He tells the uh, Lewis that he's got to get his cat fixed or something, or so it doesn't wander out yeah, into clip the road. them balls. Ellie is worried that uh, you know, Church is gonna die or something i don't fucking understand what's going on with this kid where her thoughts going it's just getting his balls cut off he's not getting stabbed in the heart
0: yeah exactly like she's she's super upset that the cat like she desperately wants her cat to keep his balls which honestly if i'm a cat it's a good owner thank you i want to keep them right so the next morning, they, the entire family, they all take this walk out into the forest to the pet cemetery, and this is where Judd kind of tells the kids, you know, this place isn't a, is the cemeteries aren't a place to fear or to be scared of, they're a place for the dead to rest and for you to communicate with them. It's a place of um, comfort, and you, should, you shouldn't you should be so afraid of death, and Rachel immediately is super sketched out by all of this. You could tell that she does not handle death quite well, and we'll get into the horrific fucking nightmare of a past she has.
1: Yeah, I hope there's a pointless B story about why she's so freaked out by death. Uh, I guess we'll have to find out. So now Ellie is super obsessed with death
0: because, again, she's that typical precocious child, and Rachel, being the real soggy salt cracker that she is, she's. Angry at her, her husband, Lewis because he can't promise the cat won't die. So she's like, you fucking promise our daughter that this cat's going to live forever. And he does, and then gives this whole stupid little argument with her like, hey, if that cat gets his fucking head crushed in by a truck out there, you're going to have to explain it to them. And then they resolve that immediately with a makeout, in front of their son and the son's just watching this whole thing go down look i get it parents want to kiss in front of their kids it's a good you know it's supposed to accustom it's good for them but you don't put tongue in front
1: it gets even worse because the kid actually reaches up and like kisses the dad while they're kissing or something like that and he's like i kissed you ew dude ew (laughs) yeah dude it's hot wait what So, again,
0: we mentioned earlier about how they have these hard cuts. The first one was from that cemetery to, like, an immediate, like, loud-ass sound of this Mack truck passing overhead. You get this very idyllic sweet moment between this family, and then we instantly hard cut to the university with this fucking brain like popping out of this guy's head they're dragging this dead body up the stairs of this university hospital because we failed to mention lewis he's moving from the big city of chicago to
1: ludlow maine uh to be a university a doctor what is he a nurse a doctor he's a doctor at the university of maine like a he's a resident doctor and you're right like they they use so much hard cuts there's never an establishing shot never in this you just have to like think on your feet as to where they are and again it goes back to this director just inexperienced in feature filmmaking and when we first
0: see this guy he's being dragged up by a bunch of students it doesn't actually seem like a a, like a movie scene again maybe because we we didn't see what actually happened we're simply seeing the aftermath but because there's no sort of again establishing shot or exposition of where we even are it's just a, it's a super hard quick cut it, it looked like an every 15 minutes like mock thing that they do to prove to kids like don't drunk drive or whatever it, it was just so out of left field and looked so false and i think it's maybe because it was just shot during the daytime so there's no you know there's no hiding anything it's not that the makeup's bad the makeup's actually pretty good but they bring this dead kid in
1: what is it victor pascal right yes yes it's victor pascal he has uh been hit Hit by a truck because of course he has <laughs> because they're apparently trucks run rampant up in the state of Maine um, everywhere there's just a lawless
0: truck band yeah <laughs> that's out there murdering at will
1: yeah it's hilarious Victor is clearly dying the doctor doesn't really do anything to help him he's just like well I told my wife it was going to be a slow day or something like that and as he reaches down to maybe either examine Victor or close his eyes, I can't remember. Uh, Victor reaches out and starts talking to him and names him by name.
0: Yep, he says, The soil of a man's heart is Stonia, Lewis. How did you know my name? And then the guy's like, I'll come for you. I don't get it. I don't get a lot of this, man. I don't understand why Pascal latches onto this guy because he dies almost immediately. And yeah, I guess for a second, Lewis is like, oh, let me me help. Yeah,
1: he essentially, he tells the nurse that like... He's dead. Like, he asked for an ambulance, and she's like, He's not going to make it. He's like, Yeah, I know, but like, at least we're doing something. Like, you know, Um, but he doesn't, other than that, he really doesn't do anything to help him. The only explanation they give for this, and we'll just go ahead and move along in the plot here, is that the next day or the next night they're sleeping. And Louis is visited by apparently the ghost of Victor Pascal, who takes him down to the pet cemetery and shows him some weird stuff beyond the cemetery. There's this giant pile of sticks and it starts glowing and making noise and he tells him, like, uh, don't go there. Don't do that. Do
0: not cross the barrier because the ground beyond is sour.
1: And he just and he essentially just tells him like I'm just letting you know because you tried to help me so I'm going to try and help you. And it's like but he didn't really try and help you. Did he? He just kind of sat there.
0: Like I guess if his spirit was being helped by this guy, again, I don't know why he's being stuck on earth in this like hellish purgatory where he's not allowed to cross over i don't know what 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 pascal's done to why he's staying around i guess other than to warn him and i guess if it was just this one one quick thing i'd understand but he's he becomes a character throughout the movie a recurring character that then starts to help other members of the family and it's like what did this guy i feel bad for pascal he just wants to go to heaven he just got hit by a fucking
1: truck let him die the only purgatory reason I can think of is that he used to deal drugs on campus, but he would donate every once in a while to the Red Cross. So, you know, uh, very morally ambiguous as Victor Pascal. <laughs> so
0: i guess it's then thanksgiving because that morning or the next day lewis awakes and with some poop on his feet and you realize oh guess that wasn't a dream i'm having fucking waking hallucinations awesome dope so that thanksgiving rachel is apparently taking the kids to visit her
1: family while lewis stays home because lewis is a pariah (laughs) yeah the reason is uh your your father will never accept me why not you're a doctor. I don't understand. They live in a beautiful home. He seems to be a nice enough father.
0: Again, he, he keeps turning his back on his kids, but that's about his biggest crime, other than being a, you know, a milk toast chode.
1: Yeah, he's got a great job. He treats his wife nice. What the fuck is wrong with the the? F- the mother and father-in-law that they don't like him he's cool
0: at it though at this point like it's just like oh yeah you know i'm not allowed at thanksgiving (laughs) have fun hun but i wonder whatever
1: i'll just like yeah you go and i'll just i'll stay home and jerk off i guess
0: exactly Well, he's definitely jerking off but do you think that's what led to the exclusion from the family was there a jerk off episode at a family dinner did he poop his pants did he what did he do there's some sort of dark history here that led to the we're not allowing you back at thanksgiving i.e. stop shitting and jerking off at the table. That's
1: probably what it is though. There's no other explanation. while the family's off at Thanksgiving and uh, Ellie is very concerned about church, she's like, make, church, make sure church is okay, I'm gonna miss him uh, naturally, fucking church gets hit by a truck almost immediately of
0: course he does, it's a living thing that Lewis is supposed to watch and of course, it's the, his one job he's gotta do that cat's fucking smoked and what's awesome about it, is that they finds him the next day, Judd's like, hey, I think your fucking cat's dead over here, so he wanders over and they, dude, <laughs> the sound of them peeling this cat carcass off the ground is the funniest shit
1: ever physically peel him off the ground it's ridiculous (laughs) oh my god i laughed so Uh, hard lewis is clearly very conflicted uh he doesn't want to explain death to his daughter um especially you know he he understands uh this is all very new to his family moving up here and he, he he doesn't want to let his daughter down so judge without explanation tells lewis to follow him and they go beyond all the sticks and crap behind the pet cemetery and he ends up taking him to uh this giant uh, admittedly the coolest looking set piece in the entire film uh this giant uh surface with a bunch of rocks strewn all out in a pattern in a circle and then he just makes fucking lewis start digging doesn't tell him why doesn't offer to help in fact he specifically says oh yeah i can't do it you have to do it they hike for like an hour lewis just does it yeah, yeah lewis just fucking does it it takes him hours and he doesn't question why he's he's just like okay <laughs> and he just starts digging a hole and buries the cat there and then because they go back and even that judge won't like explain to him what they did he just explains like oh yeah it used to be a, a burial ground used by the micmacs Okay. <laughs> yeah, w- we can't tell anyone
0: what we did here tonight. Well, what did we do here tonight, Judd? I- I'm so confused. Because originally, after the cats did... I don't know, hard cut. It- absolutely hard cut. But I don't understand why Judd, as a full-grown adult male, doesn't... Que- what doesn't... it At once, think... Maybe I'll just get another cat to replace this cat if I want to make it look like church. Because
1: again, the kid's dumb. It's a dumb kid. Or maybe just buy her a fucking kitty. Yeah, or maybe it's just time for the kid to learn about life and death. She's fucking old enough. Um, it happens to everybody. I just don't understand. Grandma and Grandpa can't have that much longer uh, since they clearly harbor resentment in their hearts for no reason. They gotta die soon. And the fact that it's Judd though who's telling him to do
0: this, who was just, just two scenes ago was telling the little girl, like, death's not to, you know, death's something to, you know, it's okay. Everything's Everything dies. You gotta understand this at some point. It seemed like he was really teaching a valuable lesson there and then is immediately like, hey, I'm gonna, let's hike for two hours to this ancient Micmac burial ground and I'll force you to dig a goddamn hole, throw your rusty-ass cat in it, and then, sure enough, Church is coming back to life. But he's not quite...
1: The same. First of all, he smells like shit because his body has started to decompose. And second, he's uh, a lot meaner. This cat was very personable, uh, even a little goofy. He used to just hang out and sleep with Ellie. And now he scratches everybody and, you know, leaves a bunch of dead animals all over the place. So something has clearly changed in the cat. And Lewis can't really believe what he's seen.
0: He's a fucking dick now. I mean, cats are always kind of assholes. This cat is an enormous g- and he's throwing dead rats in the tub while Lewis is trying to get his jerk on. It's the worst. Yeah,
1: I know. Fucking cat. Asshole. And the
0: kid, the kid gives him the biggest guilt trip over the phone because that night after he does you know bury the cat she's like can i speak to church and first of all he should have been like no the cat can't fucking talk what are you talking about she's like just make sure that he doesn't walk out into the road and get hit by a car and if he does get hit by a car don't bury
1: him in the pet cemetery yeah don't bur- don't put him in the pet cemetery or the burial ground whatever this movie's about uh don't fucking do that dad
0: yeah, i do love how they've uh, shot this cat because i think they just flood some sort of flashlights in its eyes because it's really it's all obviously practical effects but it's just the way the, the cat's eyes glow that you can tell fucking something's up with this cat cat's a pretty good act cat is a better actor than lewis and all and uh, rachel and definitely ellie you know he's got one up on gage and, and and no he's no gage or judd but yeah this cat's pretty solid
1: but anyway so they have a conversation lewis and judd do about uh what happened because lewis can't believe what's going on and judd goes on to explain that uh You know, he once buried his dog up in that Mi'kmaq and it came back, and it was all fucking bloody and mean and terrible. Oh, cool. Thanks, Judd. Yeah, thanks for fucking telling me this earlier. And uh, Lewis asks him, and it's safe to assume that they're at least 12 beers deep each because they've got a ton of beer cans (laughs) that seemingly no one is touching on the table. Uh, He asks him, has anybody buried a human up there yet and he goes Christ on the cross no or Christ on his throne I forgot what he says it's pretty fucking hilarious
0: <laughs> it's great the family winds up uh you know coming back home and Ellie this is where we get I guess a little taste of her superpowers because she apparently had a dream that church was hit by a car and buried in the pet cemetery and she's super bummed out about this meanwhile a fucking maid that we never mentioned because she's not worth a shit hangs herself in a throwaway scene, uh, because she, uh, again, this family is very privi- privileged, so they're not going to do their own fucking laundry, so they hire someone who is shown in maybe one or two scenes just describing some minor stomach pains, and Lewis being a doctor is like, you need any help, and it, it, it goes no further
1: than that, until she fucking hangs herself from the pain, I suppose, I guess that's why she ends it who fucking knows and honestly who fucking cares because this is all really just a lead into a Stephen King cameo at the cemetery the the normal catholic Christian Cemetery, uh, where they're at this funeral. Uh, Stephen King is the priest giving the mass, and they bury her. And this kind of just kicks off into more, even more, fu- because we haven't done it enough yet. Apparently, even more discussion about life and death, and you know what happens when we die, or some shit like that. I don't know. It's it's all just they explain death like six times in this movie, and it's like, okay, yeah, we get it. People die. <laughs> well, we finally get to find out why Rachel's such a stuck up
0: dick about death and why she's so afraid of it in general because her sister apparently a (laughs) lovely a beautiful lady named Zelda suffered from an extreme case of spinal meningitis so much so that she was like a hunchback a deformed uh in pain all the time and she was just ostracized by the family locked away in like a tower or not really a tower but just a room you know secluded from the family Rachel over time grew to fucking hate her hate her so much that one day while her parents were out, she was cho- Zelda wound up choking on something or suffocating and rather than help her, fucking Rachel does a Breaking Bad Walter White and just stands there while she dies and is actually so elated by her death that what people believe are tears of sadness when they find her later on and she describes the situation she's actually laughing she's so happy that her fucking disgusting sister has finally passed on and i guess she's harbored this guilt understandably as a fucking terrible horrible person uh and that's why she's so scared of death i suppose zelda herself though is just like just disturbing it's a it's a creepy little image i don't like the way (laughs) this lady looks
1: no and uh as you mentioned before it is a very terrible look at people with this disease obviously people who have this disease do not look like this it's it's absurd god no it's far over
0: exaggerated yeah but like any good 90s husband lewis is just like hey hon here's some xanax just go to bed <laughs> thank you for telling me that but i don't i don't need this on my conscience <laughs>
1: But, like, honestly, I, like, listen, I fucking buried the cat and it came back to life. I don't fucking, got. I don't want to do this Just take a fucking shit.
0: Valium and go to bed.
1: Yeah, he drugs her and puts her to bed, and then we move on.
0: The next day, the family is enjoying uh, such a, it's a beautiful Ludlow, Maine day. The sun is shining. They're out there playing with a kite. Judd, who's now the, you know, adopted grandfather of the family, understandably so, because he's a goddamn treasure, he's there as well. They're just having a goddamn, a picture-perfect afternoon. Noon, when you know Gage's dick magnet strikes back up, and he is pulled to the road for whatever reason, and that's when we hard cut to this trucker who's blasting some Ramones—the first of two Ramones songs on here on uh, this album—and he's not paying attention. Neither is the family or the parent, especially Lewis, because he's a terrible father. Looks at the last minute to discover that you know Gage is practically in the road, and we get. One of the best slow motion deaths ever.
1: Gage gets obliterated by this truck. It's freaking hilarious. <laughs> come, on, come on, they all see it happen, and we get uh, one of the best uh, movie nose screaming nose we've ever heard. Uh, it's close up there with Anakin Skywalker in uh, Star Wars three. <laughs> and uh, sarcastically, it's terrible. Like there's a he, you know, he's screaming that his son has been obliterated by this truck. Uh, and we immediately get a couple shots of the family being happy. Oh, with that's Gage. right! Yeah, the, like uh, the picture photo frames. They're just like, tsh, tsh, tsh,
0: tsh. yeah, dude. The way this is shot, yeah, it's it is, very it's super dramatic. dramatic. I would say almost, oh, you know, mm-hmm. a little melodramatic, but. The way they shot this is pretty impressive. I like how they use the depth of field to play with how close Gage actually is to this truck. And, you know, any film that has the balls to show a child death, uh, and not necessarily in graphic detail, but you do see a bloody shoe, you know, it's getting a thumb up from me right there automatically. That's child death in a film, you're already on the right path in Brandon in brandon's view
1: although i do have i do have umbrage with how this child is dead and i'll explain it with the next scene because we move on to the funeral and uh for some reason lewis's father-in-law the one that hates him for being a successful doctor or something like that uh decides that decides that his uh Two-year-old uh, grandson's funeral is a good time to confront Lewis about the issues he has uh, about him being such a success. And uh, they they kind of go after it. It calls him like a piece of shit or something like that and says... Uh, well, yeah, you know, he's
0: like, you did this. It's all your fault. Yeah, yeah going off. A- and, and it is...
1: If that old man had said that to me at my son's funeral, I'd have probably decked him. I'd have put that old man in the ground right next to my son.
0: Well, that's what he does, dude. He fucking punches him. There's this whole fight, this scuffle, and so much so that their the kid's coffin collapses and the body, the corpse of the kid, falls out. Yeah,
1: and I get this is where I take umbrage because let's face it, uh, that truck was going at a million miles an hour. Gage is maybe a foot and a half tall. Uh, there's no body to put in a casket. Come on.
0: Oh, absolutely not he is vaporized dude absolutely vaporized yeah th- that coffin would have had just the shoe a simple bloody shoe would all be that all that's left that kid is a pancake at that point it's a dark image but yeah honestly body. Is- honestly is pet
1: cemetery do your research do your research
0: well they kind of need to have i guess a, a solid body to to call from later on when he does you know spoiler alert come back so they couldn't just have like a puddle of goo walking around, I guess, because then yeah, that brings in a whole bunch of questions. I'm about- sorry,
1: Brandon, have you ever seen the uh, the movie The Blob?
0: Uh I have seen The Blob, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was just a walking pile of goo. Have you ever seen Star Wars? You know what Jabba the Hutt is? Yeah, but this is scientifically accurate, dude. Oh, well, I don't know, man. (laughs) Let's get into it, man. I don't know. (laughs) You know, they go on being fucking a depressed family. Ellie's complaining that she's fucking sad or some shit. Doesn't matter. Uh, Louis is trying to show
0: her the picture of the dad, and Louis is just, you know, everyone's broken. The mom can't do anything. She's just asleep all the time, and Judd comes over, and he's like, God damn it, man, I don't feel like this is my fault, but my bad.
1: Yeah, it totally it totally is. Uh but and Lewis is doing the right thing and being a huge dick to Ellie about the whole thing. Uh, even though it's also, I I'd say about half half Judd's fault, half uh Lewis's fault.
0: Everyone makes terrible decisions in this film. From now on, that's 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 a a, a running motif for sure. Everyone's just the worst decision possible. Uh,
1: the family ends up going to Chicago for maybe Christmas or something. I you know I have no idea. I don't know why, but uh the mom and Ellie are going to Chicago. Uh, Lewis is staying behind, and Judge kind of like warms him. He's like, "Hey, man, listen. I know what you're thinking. Uh, you asked me if someone put a human in the Micmac burial ground. I told you no, but..." Actually, it did happen, and we kind of get this flashback story of uh, I forgot the kid's name. Do you have that written down?
0: Yes, it's a local named uh, Bill Baderman who buried his son Timmy in that Micmac burial ground after he was killed in World War Two. Or actually, he was on the way home, right from World War Two.
1: Yeah, he was. He survived the war, but he was killed on the way back. uh Freaking hilarious. Timmy,
0: you know, buried there, returns basically as a malevolent zombie, like uh, he has the taste of flesh.
1: Yeah, and. Uh, judge is part of the the group of townies who decide like this isn't natural we gotta put a stop to this and they end up burning the house down with the zombie in it and also the father because he can't get away because the fa- the zombie was just going around terrorizing people eating people's legs and shit yeah and Judd tells
0: the tale basically like yeah me and this fucking posse of bros we did it I am responsible that's one of the people I've killed <laughs> essentially Judd's got his this,
1: head yeah I mean sure I've killed like four or five people brought them back to life killed them again sometimes Sometimes dead is better. We finally get, to, yeah, we get finally
0: to. get that line, dude. Sometimes dead is better because the person you bury ain't the same person that comes back.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it, it, I gotta say, this is probably one of the most effective scenes in the movie in terms of getting the point across. Uh, for people who have read the book, The Monkey's Paw, or the short story, The Monkey's Paw, this is all starting to sound very familiar. But uh, what I like. That this story does, and it's credit to Stephen King, is that that's kind of a an old trusted tale, but this kind of takes a new spin on it in terms of the burial ground and the and the whole idea that uh, people put their pets in there. Um, so I think it does a good job of kind of differentiating a story that we've all already heard before.
0: In typical you know King fashion, we go back to a little bit more of this supernatural shit uh you know she's having ellie's having some totally casual premonitions uh she tells her family of one before they actually leave about you know a gauge and daddy and something that's happening there and then later that night once they're actually in chicago she tells her mom about another fucking specifically uh vivid nightmare that she has about the uh, friendly ghost named Pascal, <laughs> and then Pascal now starts presenting himself to Rachel. She again isn't uh, aware of him at this point, but he begins to influence her and tries to get her to go back to Maine because he knows that you know Lewis is up to no good. uh
1: We get like a fucking ten minute just like jump cuts of her trying to get back to Maine and running into like various obstacles. It's it's dumb. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. This this part of the story is is real filler, I think, because what we really want to know is what the fuck's going on. Is is he really gonna big dig up this kid and sure shit dude he goes to the cemetery first digs up the corpse of his dead son and this is again it's shot in a way that it's not really lingering on the body but you do see the corpse of this kid as he's like cradling him and crying and it's you know it, god damn I wonder what this scene could have been like with Bruce Campbell I almost picture it him like zany evil dead style where he's just laughing and shit <laughs> like cause at this point the character's fucking not so crazy yeah
1: again it's a fucking better hilarious movie he, he takes Gage to the Micmac burial ground, and, like, on the way, he's visited by a bunch of spirits that aren't really explained and, like, random j- jump scares. Dude, the CG or whatever is happening on that,
0: that is really dumb. I hate that part. That's just something they really should have cut. It's just like some weird-ass face, yeah, spirit thing that comes out and shoots into his yeah, face.
1: and it doesn't, and it's not explained, and it doesn't make any sense, but at this point, fucking Judge kind of picks up what's going on and realizes that uh lewis has already gone to the micmac burial ground so he sits out there and he's like well you're gonna have to be you cause this you're gonna have to be the one to take care of it but naturally he does this with the six-pack and passes out um, <laughs> fuck yeah dude he-
0: judd's the man so yeah meanwhile rachel has gotten back to maine she's yeah i hopped uh hitched a ride with some truck drivers popped a tire all kinds of bullshit she's also having hallucinations of zelda again she's then picturing her and shit and this is where i think i saw that very first image for the first time when i was a kid of her snapping up in bed and running towards the camera god damn dude i think that's a gif you should send it to people it'll make them shit their pants then of course yeah gauge returns man
1: yeah back in maine gauge gauge is back and he goes up to his father's room but instead of killing his father he takes his scalpel scalpel out of his doctor bag or medicine bag whatever it's called i don't know what the layman's straight is. for the
0: medical kit dude yeah, yeah it's crazy goes
1: right for the medical kit takes out the scalpel and then instead of killing his father right then and there goes over to judge's house and just kind of Tricks him into following him upstairs, and then he fucking slices his uh, ACL. It's hilarious.
0: Dude, it is roughy stuff. This kid, I-, I will say, for the most part, is doing a pretty good, like, creepy kid performance. He's kind of, like, growling and little, like, hissing sounds and shit, and his little giggles. But, like, yeah, Judd wakes up, there's fucking Chucky sized footprints all over his bedroom floor, and he's like, holy shit, what the hell? After his Achilles tendon is cut, he then gets a smile put on
1: his face, Joker style, where this kid slashes his lips with a fucking scalpel. Yep, and then fucking takes a big old chunky bite out of his neck. Uh, Judd is dead yeah (laughs) judge is is dead movie over you could tell that's a practical
0: yeah you could tell it's a practical effect um and i remember watching some special features on this at one time because there were certain times they couldn't obviously have this young kid in the the room at the time when they're doing all these gore effects and stuff but for other scenes they did need him so there are some pretty fucking terrible you know kid doll uh puppets coming up here but this scene here in spe- specifically where he's like judge like dying on the ground they put this like little play-doh plastic thing on top of his neck and this kid goes munching on it with the blood squirting yeah, out everywhere it's pretty funny it's um, awesome
1: man. so what's her name rachel comes home and she's about to go into her house but realizes she sees little gauge footprints walking around and uh she does the the smart thing, what anybody would do, follow the uh, undead baby footprints into a house that's not her own. She she sees Zelda one more time. Yep, yeah, there's
0: another Zelda flash, and yeah, there's it's implied that something very terrible has happened.
1: Yeah, Gage sees her, and she goes to give him a hug, and he's got the scalpel in his hand, and then, you know, the next day. We wake up the next day. Lewis wakes up
0: and he's again, the guy can never fuck. If you know your son's coming back, if you knew the cat, well, I guess the cat one, but he knows his son's coming back, maybe wait the next two hours to, to kind of just make sure. You know what I mean? There's no way I can fall asleep after doing this. But he wakes up the next morning to get a call. It's originally, I think, does he get a call from Gate? Well, he gets a call from the dad who's basically
1: like, Where's my daughter? Yeah, he's like, Where's my daughter? I want to talk to her. And he's like, Nah, I don't want to talk to you. And he hangs up the phone and then it's starts ringing again, picks it up thinking it's a father-in-law and it's Gage and he's given another very famous line from this movie. It's like, I played with Judge and I played with Mommy, now I want to play with you. <laughs> Dude, I love his kid laughter. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, that John, they use like six times. It's it's yes. hilarious.
0: And so Lewis goes next door, and this is where he fucking murders uh Church. I love this. This is the best cat. Ac- they either hired the best cat actor possible, or they killed a cat for the scene. Because the way he para- uses this paralyzing murder agent on him, he gets a you know a needle full of some some kill juice. <laughs> he squirts it into Church, and you can see this cat like slowly start to relax its muscles, and then it's dead. And the he goes to Lewis picks up the cat's head, and this cat does not move a fucking muscle it's either paralyzed or dead or like uh, the daniel day lewis of cats
1: i almost wonder if like they used a cat tranquilizer or something it's it's tough to tell it's so unnatural Um, though like that is not
0: you can't plan for that
1: (laughs) he goes upstairs and finds well, he's looking for Gage, and he's got another kill needle. Well, it's a little hard to find him because now the house is a fucking
0: swamp for some reason. What is happening here? Now now it's affecting yeah, what he's understand. seeing. He's hallucinating like a, like a decrepit cemetery swamp as this house. It goes away immediately.
1: <laughs> the evil has spread or something like that, and he goes upstairs, and we get a jump scare of Rachel having been hung uh, from the ceiling. <laughs> yep, yep. And yeah, this little puppet and, uh, Gage jumps down
0: with the scalpel.
1: <laughs> it looks like freaking child's play. It looks like <laughs>
0: it. It
1: looks terrible. I had
0: to have had some sort of influence in this. I, I figure, like you know, kids are little, little creepy kids are, are yeah, scary. I, I think Chunky so. definitely had an influence.
1: But so we get a uh, uh, the long-awaited Lewis and Gage fight, <laughs> um, and it. <laughs> does not disappoint yeah it does not disappoint it goes about as well as you think it was eventually uh after fighting lewis coaxes gauge in and stabs him in the throat with the kill serum and the baby does a hilarious tumble like into the wall like smacks his head straight on the wall it's clearly not acting this kid tripped And then they just yeah had a different camera setup like we'll just shoot him here. <laughs> they put him in the movie. They were like cool, good enough for me. Um, but I love his like uh, yeah, no fair, no fair. It's pretty yeah. Good the, for a kid. yeah, again, this kid is doing well. But so he dies, and. Uh, judd
0: finally makes a good decision lewis. Yeah, sorry lewis yeah makes a, a good decision for once and it's just like you know what uh, i'm gonna cut my losses i'm just gonna set this whole shit on fire
1: yeah but not before he makes another terrible decision and goes you know what third time's the charm and uh takes his wife and decides to go bury her in the micmac burial ground
0: what a fucking idiot lewis
1: what are you Doing. pascal's ghost shows up one more time and he's like what are you doing <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> so he's like are you did you watch the movie dude what are you doing yeah he's like no nah, it'll work this time trust me And he's like no no it won't no it won't and then uh sure as shit so, yeah he
0: actually does at least stay awake to the stroke of midnight which is you know that's kind of smart
1: and rachel comes back and she's fucking oozing pus and blood all over the place she's <sighs> dirty as hell just grotesque and by the way, how did this happen so quickly? All she was—she was
0: hung. Why is her eye like missing? And there's like fucking moss growing on her face. And yeah, she's I have no idea. Horribly
1: mutilated. She's <laughs> been dead less but than twenty-four like hours. hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Lewis does what any man in that situation would do, and it starts fucking making out with her. Um, this
0: is gross. And and then of course, out of yeah. the corner of the screen, there she picks up a knife, lifts it up, and we get that I think the same "no" he screamed earlier that bleeds into yep. the Ramones'
1: "I Don't Wanna Be Buried." in a pet cemetery that's it dude lucky for you ramones uh you won't be because no one's buried in the pet cemetery in this movie but that's it that's pet cemetery (laughs) (laughs) what are your thoughts dude um you know this movie uh has so much promise to it and i know we've talked about things like this before but i'm really looking forward to the remake if you haven't seen the trailer for it uh go ahead and watch it uh What's his name? John Lithgow plays Judd. It's a movie that has a good story to tell and I think can be effective as a horror. But with a first time director at the helm, it falls short on so many things. Uh, it The acting is pretty bad and there's no one that really there to you know, set them in a different direction in terms of how to make this a better film. There's a lot of things that you see there in terms of the editing and the and the cinematography that just don't really make a lot of sense. So it's, it's one of those movies that I think was just kind of ahead of its time in that... If it had waited until maybe even like 2000, I think this movie uh, becomes better. You put a good director at the helm or even a decent director at the helm and just give it a little bit more technology. I think you can make a pretty decent film. All that being said, um, it's not the worst thing you're ever going to see in terms of horror. There's some A couple of scary things in there. We mentioned Zelda, but other than that, it's, you know, it's a pretty standard 80s horror movie. I'm going to go ahead. You said that Rotten Tomatoes was a 50. I'm going to agree with that there. Maybe even like a little less, maybe around like a 45. Um, If you haven't seen it, I think it's worth watching, especially to compare it to the new movie that's going to be coming out. And if you have seen it and you liked it as a kid, I don't see why there would be any reason you would think differently about it now.
0: I completely agree with you. I think this is a movie that if you haven't seen in a while, it's definitely worth a revisit. Uh, For people who have no affinity for the story, or uh, hadn't read the novel, and have kind of no idea of what the the movie is, I think it's a good idea to, yeah, maybe brush up on it before the new one. The new one definitely seems like they're taking it in a much darker route, again, by the time this, you know, is out and people have seen that, you know, looking back, I could be wrong, but I do think that this iteration of Pet Cemetery is a solid little 80s uh, horror movie. It's kind of small in scale, despite, I think, the horror having kind of just, it's, it's so much going on, like, there's just so... so many story threads that I feel maybe in the movie don't necessarily pay off because I know they had to cut a lot out. It's just got some kind of bad editing. It's an inexperienced director and some stilted acting. A little too hallmarky for my taste, but... The story's just so goddamn good. I wish that the, the evil itself wasn't so vague. Like, there are times where I, I'm really willing to accept that. Like, I don't need to know why the zombies in Night of the Living Dead are coming back from life. I don't need to know it. But here I feel like there are so many things that are introduced, like Pascal and the, the, the suicidal maid and all these just small story threads that I feel like kind of go nowhere or could be completely taken out
1: altogether. Explain why the ground went sour or something like that, you know?
0: that's that's the thing it's again we've talked about we've joked about how why it's actually called pet cemetery because i love the lore around that but again it just it actually feels very separate from the idea of the micmac burial ground it it doesn't necessarily coalesce the way it's presented here but again i know i've been saying a lot of negative things overall i do like this movie i think i think that it's a a breezy watch something that i find a lot of actual rewatchability in i love the character of judd Uh, I think it does have some good little animal performances and Miko Hughes is one of my favorite like child actors for a kid that young to do a performance this fairly believable again it's not it's not doesn't blow you out of the water but it's a pretty good one I'm gonna go I'll even bump it above a 50 I'll give it a 55 just to average this out at a 50 it's a kind of a guilty pleasure of mine but it's at the same time I think that it's it's worth the rewatch for people haven't seen in a while.
1: All right. Fair enough. Do you have anything that you want to recommend to the audience? Oh, yeah, man. So I
0: recently got the stubs like the A-list, the AMC bullshit thing because I had movie pass for a while there. It did not work out. I implore everyone. uh, If you have any AMC near you and you go to see more than one movie a month, it's it's Asinine not to do it. Considering a ticket to most AMC theaters are like twenty bucks, you're paying twenty dollars a month and you get to see three movies a week. So I've just been fucking going all the time now. But the two movies that I'd say I recommend the most, I did see Bohemian Rhapsody, and I think you might talk about that later because we did mention it the first time we recorded this. But again, no, I'll
1: probably I'll probably skip over it. All right, so good. I was just it
0: was it. meh. It was just I I'm kind of right in. Yeah, it was very meh. Yeah, I was not. Yeah. Uh, I loved the musical performances. Obviously, the end there at Live Aid's great and. And Rami Malek did a good job, but I, I do feel like it was just such a, a sanitized version of his life.
1: Uh, not yeah. only is it sanitized because it is it is toned down significantly, but it doesn't even feel like there's much of a story to tell. They had like maybe one one blip in the road in terms of the band itself, and like that's it. it they just like it almost seems like it didn't need to be a movie. And if they were, they really should have just followed the real story of Queen, which is what
0: much more interesting than the contrived shit that they put together here but i again i know we're in the minority because people love this fucking movie um other than critics critics were kind of more mixed, but but i agree yeah yeah. i i I did not like it as much as i wanted to uh however i did love mid 90s and widows go check those movies out they're pretty fucking awesome
1: um i'm gonna go ahead and recommend a show because again i can never i can never recommend movies apparently uh i've been watching a lot of shows but uh i'm gonna go and recommend a show that i think just got put on Netflix. Uh if you've heard of the movie Get Shorty, uh much like Fargo, there is a TV uh, I won't even call this one a I won't I don't even want to call this one a spin-off. It doesn't have a lot to do with the movie. Whereas like the Fargo spin-off had something to do with the movie Fargo, I can't I can't point out a lot of connections to the movie Get Shorty, but this show is uh it's pretty fun. Chris O'Dowd is in it. Um, it's about uh, uh, you know a mafia debt collector slash hitman who wh- kind of has this movie script fall into a la- his lap, and he just he kind of wants to change his life around. It's a lot like Barry too um but it it reminds me it reminds me a lot of what the Fargo show was it's just kind of got like a black humor to it and then it's also got elements of breaking bad in it where there's there's plenty of violence and real you know sort of drug lord crime drama but it's also got this interesting like well we're also trying to make a movie so if you like sort of the movie industry dramas that happen uh plus humor plus you know a good old-fashioned uh crime story it's definitely worth worth the watch i'm about halfway through it right now it's it's funny it's entertaining um and if you know you got 10 hours to kill definitely worth binging
0: and it's got ray romano right
1: ray romano is it ray uh ray romano is in this movie and uh, he's perfect in it. I mean, like he's—I uh, would be perfectly happy with a Renaissance if uh, if he does everything like this. Yeah, I love me some
0: Fargo. And it wasn't that show. Get Shorty. Isn't that started on like fucking Stars or Sparkle or Epics. weird? Epics? Sp- oh, okay, I Is think, it think it was FX? Epics okay.
1: or something like that or epics not epics yeah i was gonna say um,
0: epics yeah it was one of those like epics. random. it's ones. one of those yeah. yeah
1: it's like one of those like random like cable like an hbo-ish thing um so it's it's definitely r-rated but it's on netflix right now i if if you got the time definitely take a look it's pretty good okay anything else man that you could recommend or not recommend no i was gonna go see creed 2 this week but i never got around to it so as soon as i seen that i'll let Ooh. you know
0: yeah i gotta yeah. check that out Yep, cool. All right, we'll we'll check in next week with uh, your video review of that. What else are we doing next week, man? Why don't you tell the people?
1: Yeah, so next week we're kind of going back to – A little more kid-friendly stuff. We've been doing a lot of uh, sort of adult nostalgia. So we're going to go back to things that uh, we watched as kids. We're going to go ahead and watch Chicken Run, dude. Oh, we talked about this several times.
0: Several times over the last few episodes. Yeah, it comes up often. It did, like weirdly often. I think it's because we did a couple of stop-motion claymation stuff, which we're both huge fans of. Yeah. This will be our first, what is it, Ardman and I can't remember the two guys who do this animation, the Wallace and Gromit guys.
1: Yeah, the Wallace and Gromit guys, which if, you know, I used to love Wallace and Gromit as a kid, and I remember really liking this movie as a kid, too, so, but, I mean, it's it, it has to have been a solid five to ten years since I've seen it, so I'm interested to see how it holds up.
0: Very interested. They actually just announced that it's finally getting a Blu-ray release, too, dude. Okay. I think this is on Netflix, actually, at the time of recording, so if those uh, of you out there who like to watch the movie uh, pre-listening to the episode, I do
1: believe it's available on Netflix right now. Fantastic. There you go. Well, that's going to really kind of do it for this episode, so before we sign off, make sure that you uh, follow us at nbd.podbean.com. You can also find us on iTunes or a bunch of other places where you find your
0: podcasts. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, and you can email us a question or a request at Nostalgia Be Damned Pod at gmail.com. Please be sure to follow us there. And again, the biggest thing you could possibly do is tell a friend about the show or write us a review on iTunes. It is... Uh, very greatly appreciated. And we love you. We apologize for the absence over the last couple of weeks, but we're finally in a slightly more secure setting. So we're taking it as it comes. We're just... For now. I I mean, who knows? (laughs) I was going to say. We're taking it as it comes. Who knows what
1: happens in the next few weeks. But But, uh, uh, we appreciate everybody's patience and just kind of bearing with us. You know, sometimes things happen. If they do, uh, we promise at one point we'll be back. That's right. And sometimes
0: late is better than
1: never. Yeah. Well, uh, you had it. Sometimes late is... I, I don't know sometimes honestly sometimes that is better <laughs> thank you everyone for listening
0: you have a wonderful week
1: Peace. I don't be very-